Will you please welcome our guest moderator, news editor of Empire Magazine, and part of the presenting team on BBC's film 2013, Chris Hewitt. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Now, uh, Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart are two of the biggest names in Hollywood, and their most recent film, Olympus Has Fallen, went to number one at the US box office. It's a rollicking throwback to old-school action movies, and it asks that question, what would happen if the White House were seized by terrorists? And the answer is, Gerard Butler would kick their asses. Uh, <laughs> before we meet Jerry and uh, Aaron, let's take a look at the trailer for Olympus Has Fallen. have arrived. I'd like to welcome you to the White House, sir. Sir, there's been an intrusion. Let's go, move. Give me the Pentagon on the line now. Olympus is falling. Mr. Speaker, you are the acting president. I want to speak to the Russians, the Chinese, the British, and the French. You attempt to retake this building, and I will execute your commander-in-chief. Oh, my God. We have contact from inside the White House. Identify yourself. 309er. Jesus, Banning? The same guy that was removed from the president's detail? He is ex-special forces. 40 commandos breached the gate, 28 are left. Can we trust him? With all due respect, I'm the best hope you've got. Abort! Abort! We're talking about the safety of the President of the United States. We're talking about a hell of a lot more than that, sir. Just opened the gates of hell. The United States of America doesn't negotiate with terrorists. said anything about negotiating. Please welcome to the stage, the stars of Olympus Has Fallen, Jerry Butler and Aaron Eckhart. Wow. <sighs> Shit, if I'd known this many were coming out, I would have dressed up. Same here. Moira! Hey. <laughs> so guys, first off, congratulations. Uh, number one of the uh, US box office a couple of weeks ago. It must be, must be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I like to start off with a difficult one. It's better than being number two. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, we're really happy with how, how, how the movie came out and, and how well received it was. Mm. And, um, and, you know, and, and how, how well it performed because... It's you know you just you never know nowadays when you make a movie you can you can make a great movie nobody goes to see it you can you just 
just never there's a million things that can go wrong but this just seemed to hit and touch something and it's exciting and it's provocative and, it, mm. and at the same time it kind of really gets you going it's rousing and and, mm. and patriotic and and uh, and it just it's i don't know it just gets a real crowd pleaser so mm. they got that and they all went to see it and the word I used in my introduction was uh, old school. I mean, it feels like a movie that's just been hewn from the 90s rock or the 80s rock. I mean, it's very much in the diehard mold. Was that an appeal for you both? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, Aaron's lost his voice, by the way. He meant to say he has uh, tonsillitis, so he's, he's going to be quite quiet today. Well, Jerry hired me. <laughs> so it appealed to him, and then it appealed to me. Um, that's originally when, when, when I got the script, it, was, it, it did feel like a, that's what was exciting about it, was it was a kind of diehard in the White House. But it was, yeah. the original script was a little more kind of sci-fi and out there. And oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there was a part in the end where uh, um, Rick Yoon's character is basically, he, he breaks out on a, on a train into the Potomac River. And, and I'm hanging on to the back of the train and suddenly it goes into the river and I'm kind of floating up and then I disappear and then come on, suddenly appear again and, and, and uh, kill him. So uh, just great, so we were like, okay, I mean, but the idea was there and it was a great kind of, it was a great idea about this, you know, a, a, a threat to our freedom and a, a, an attack on the White House and, and the president being held hostage. And so we wanted to say, we, we basically wanted to make a movie that, could say what would that really look like? Ground yeah. it, make it plausible, make it believable, and make it have some some resonance. And uh, so you know, that's why Antoine became involved because he does that brilliantly. And then with guys like Aaron and Morin, Morgan Freeman and Angela, ba like a great cast that really give it some some substance. So yeah, it was diehard, but at the same time, it felt like a grittier kind of you know more more brutal. Yeah. Die hard, net less. Yippee, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Were you tempted to throw that in now and again, just to? I kept trying it in the movie, but they cut it out. You know, it's not very presidential, <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> is it? To yell yippee, motherfucker, in the middle hey. of it. Sometimes <laughs> you gotta do extraordinary things. <laughs> so how did you get involved? I mean, you got involved. Jerry's a producer as well. On yeah, this one. Jerry produced it, and um, you know. Uh, Jerry didn't call me personally, oh, okay. although that would have meant a lot to me. <laughs> um, but have I did met, get a call, <laughs> and they said, Jerry's heard of you, but doesn't really know you, but he wants to talk to you. So I said, okay, that's good enough for me. I'll come along. Um, no, I, I went in, saw Antoine, and uh, we talked about what it was about, what he wanted to accomplish, you know, and read the script, and obviously really dug the script and saw what Jerry saw in it, you know, and... Uh, I love Antoine uh, uh, directing. You know, he's a tough director. He's mm. got guts. He takes it to the limit. He demands um, the extraordinary out of his actors. Everybody wants to work for him, you know, give everything that they have. Mm. And he's inclusive. You know, we had how many ideas, Jerry, all the time, you know, getting our own ideas into it. And that's what an actor looks for. Um, you know, and uh, it's, you know, fun to play the president, you know, uh, get tied up for, for uh, you know, weeks on end to a railing, <laughs> get the shit beat out of you, and then That's have Jerry come in and the day <laughs> and take all the glory. How do you do research for this? Because you can't exactly go up to the White House and say, 
Go on, help us out, please. Well, I mean, the president is such—he's so, 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 so in our lives, you know, but uh, with all the 24-hour news service cycles and all that. So we have a pretty good idea of what the president looks like in front of a podium and at home with his family. Mostly, I just uh, concentrated on what the presidency meant to me, what the office means to me, and mm. you know uh, what I would expect from a president mm-hmm. or a leader. And I tried to, uh, um, you know, focus on those things. Did you feel very presidential when you got the suit on? You were walking around the White House set. Yeah, I did. I was leaning on the. I was leaning correctly, with my legs crossed in the Oval Office, sitting on the desk, thinking presidential thoughts. And then Morgan, <laughs> Freeman, Morgan Freeman walked in, and everybody goes, "Mr. President," <laughs> and I was like, "I'm over here." <laughs> so it was fun, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, was, it yeah. was all in the script. You weren't giving people orders or anything? Yeah, give me 20. I would go around <laughs> saying, people get down on the ground, give me 20 push-ups. Fair enough. And, uh, and Jerry, you play in this one a Secret Service agent, uh, Mike Banning. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, well, he's a Secret Service at the beginning, but then something bad happens, as we saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what research did you do for this? None. Good. <laughs> I like dedication um, and actors. <laughs> no, we, um, we did a, a lot of work. Because as I say, we, we, we developed the, the, the script as well. And, and for us, it was what makes this engaging one in the attack? Mm. What's the selling point in the attack in terms of what could that really look like? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how could that feel as, as real as possible? So we spoke to them a lot about what face an attack might have. And then after that, it was what's going what's gonna to be engaging and fascinating from an audience point of view in terms of what happens if a Secret Service agent is in the White House? So, yeah. you know, how do you, um, how do you assess the enemy capabilities? How do you use the space? How do you establish outside lines of communication? How do you find out what they want? How do you start to fuck with the bad guy? You know, and, and you know, so there was that element of it. And we're always finding things to, Sorry, things to um, you know, you know, a way to just keep that that you know between the crisis room, what happens in there, and what's happening down in the bunker, and they really were very informative about that. But then you also want to claim into what makes them tick, and that's what was amazing with these Mm. guys because they are brutal, Mm. but they're such good. I swear, the guys I met, they, they, they live and breathe this kind of dedication. And in fact, one of them has the, the, the motto, you know, I don't know if you met Joe Bannon, mm. but he literally has it tattooed up here, up here in his gum. In his gum? In his gum, yeah. Okay. And, um, and, you know, he also had a gash down his neck that he got engaging the enemy. And, and the other one, Ricky Jones, was shot in the stomach while he was fighting, um, I, I, I think it was a, a terrorist somewhere. These guys have been through it. And when they start talking about how they treat or how they feel or how they would hurt somebody that would try and hurt their nation or the person that they protect or their mm-hmm. loved ones or themselves, mm-hmm. you see this violence inside them. And to me... That's, I hate to say it, but it's something very delicious to, to play on <laughs> in the movie because, you know, when, when, when this, after this attack happens, 9-11 happened, there was nobody left. You know, you were like, you, you really wanted to mm. fucking punch somebody, but there was nobody there. And here, you're left with a situation where there's terrorists, you've just seen the most appalling, awful, cold-blooded attack, and they're there. Mm. And it's time for justice to be served, but it's not going to be easy. And it actually requires everybody working together. Um, and and 
but you still need to see some kind of brutality and that's where they come in and and you can you know you can have a lot of you can have a lot of fun with that and you can also make it as as realistic uh, but as is um hurtful as possible yeah. <laughs> absolutely i mean it's unashamedly uh, in the states r rated movie i guess over here it's a 15 but there's a there's a lot of blood there's a lot of of gore and uh, mike's signature move is a knife to the brain where did that come from? I didn't realize how many knives there were <laughs> to the brain until I watched the movie, and I'm like, holy fuck. I, I, I don't seem to kill anybody in, in any other way, and I'm like, I'm going to stick a knife through your brain. Um, but yeah, that's um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty effective way to kill somebody, but, I mean, to be honest, it's better to go up than, than down. I seem to do it down a couple of times, and I, if I'd really thought about it, I'd gone up. But... Um, <laughs> but um, no, it, it, again, it's just the I, it, there's a little kind of artistic flourish in the way he takes these guys out. I think, yep. and it, one of the cool things about it is I got to say because we did screenings, you know, and all over America, like 300 screenings, and the, people really kind of get into it. It's like you say, it's like the classic action movie and it, like the, the 80s when they you know when it was Eastwood and Bronson and people mm. would you know be in New York and talk shit to the screen you know like <laughs> yeah go yeah nice one and so and and you know we even we even screened it in 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 Washington to politicians and secret service agents and, and ambassadors and they you know they got all the jokes because by the way the trailer is is not very funny I gotta say it's the more serious <laughs> part of the movie but there's a lot of humor in the movie as well it has all I think it kind of has it all in there but yeah. but the it was it was funny to see when we we also screened it to the Marines at Camp Pendleton and um, you know, they cheered when the general was asked to stand down. I loved it. I mean, they were, he's like, stand down. They're like, yo! I was like, shit, this is great. They get it in the 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 tone that the movie has been made. You yeah. know that it's entertainment, but it actually makes you think about where you live, the the risks that we are that we have every day. But at the same time, it's it's a it's an exciting story mm. that you know we 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 uh, tell great stories about the things that scare us the most absolutely aaron uh president asher spends most of the movie tied up were you itching to get out of those shackles and kick some terrorist butt <laughs> well i mean it was the challenge of making the movie an actor's challenge to create energy doing that mm. i mean it's uh it was um everything that was supposed to be it was humiliating it was mm. uh, frustrating um you know all that worked into the character into the movie. Uh, yeah, I asked Antoine every single day if you know I could hit somebody or <laughs> him. Uh, but I also wanted to get hit. I wanted to show you know because Jerry's out there, you know the Secret Service agent saving everybody and taking you know you know uh, taking people out and everything. And I wanted uh, and Antoine wanted the president to uh, to be uh, a force within himself, you know, mm. and to have strength and inner strength and leadership and all that sort of stuff. So that was the challenge, and uh, it was fun to do. It was mm. fun. We had great uh, actors around us who were really pushing ourselves, and and um, so it, it would be interesting to see what a president would actually would do in a situation like that. Mm. Uh, how, how do you behave? Because you have so many bigger issues to think about other than your own personal safety. Mm, absolutely. I, I got to say, just, you know, when... I'm, I'm just going to butter you up a bit here. But when <laughs> the, the, this is one of the exciting things about just either being in a movie or making a movie is 
that is the process of people coming on the movie because when you're doing it, you go, oh, it's just me. What if nobody wants to come on? And then the movie falls apart. Goes, I don't want to fucking act with Jerry Butler. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but which is why I got Antoine Fuqua because I knew, well, they're going to want to make a movie with him. But the day that Aaron came on, yeah. it became a movie. Yeah. You know, and then followed Morgan and then followed Angela. And, and that's that, you know, it's kind of a great thing to see it all happen. And as an actor, I can tell you that Aaron's was without a doubt the most difficult role in the movie because it is fucking hard to be stuck mm -hmm. in, in one place for a lot of the movie and yet to say so much. And yet he said so much. You got so much of who the president was. You know, not, I hope you don't mind me breaking down your character, but, <laughs> but just so, you got so much out out of you know you learn so much about the president what he represents and 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 you know him him as a person and and i know nobody could have, nobody could have done that better better than him and he really have you seen the movie Unrealistic. <laughs> realistic very realistic that's what i'm gonna put on my gravestone <laughs> oh, very realistic thank um, you we're going to take a look at the end. Uh, Until 2018, <laughs> January 21st, we're in an unfortunate... <laughs> fucking hell. By the way, when that day comes, I'm going to be, please don't die, Aaron. <laughs> Not today. you still got five years to go. That's, that's pretty good. Um, let's take a look at a clip now. This is, um, this is a clip after the prologue of the movie, um, during which Mike has tried to save the first wife. The president's the first wife? First wife. The first, yeah. the first lady. The first wife. No, he was married a couple of times. The president's first wife. <laughs> First lady, second wife. We'll do, we'll do it again. I'll be fine. And uh, things have not you worked out You were sort of hitting well. on my wife. <laughs> in that first day of filming. Hitting? What you don't know. No, no. <laughs> Why do you think I was demoted? I thought she was a little friendly to you. That's not in this clip. But what you will see is Jerry's character, Mike Banning. Take it away. Thanks. So, how was your fourth? My fourth what? Fourth of July. Don't be an ass. Some people do take holidays, you know. Yeah, I was quiet. No, we stayed in. We? Okay, I stayed in. She went out. I'm shocked. Miss Jacobs. Good Hello, morning. Director. All right, buddy. Hey, Roman. See you, buddy. How's the family? Kids are good, thank you. Yeah? Yeah. O'Neill. Hey, Benny. Look at Shark. So we missed you for poker uh, last week. Where were you? Missed taking your money. Yeah, I know. I've been working the late shift. Non-stop action over there at the Treasury. So, so not long after that. We really chose the most exciting <laughs> scenes in the movie to show you guys. High octane excitement all the way. Uh, not long after that comes the attack, which is an astonishing sustained sequence. I mean, how plausible is that attack? Because obviously you don't want to give people a blueprint. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, oh, I'll have to do that. So how closely did you work with people to make sure that the uh, attack in the White House looked realistic but wasn't realistic, I guess? Well, you know, there, there, there was an original attack when the original script was it all happened from the inside mm -hmm. they were all part of the convoy and it was actually i love the idea about the precision of that that you didn't need you still had the the the, the cargo plane which is by the way what just got me it was such a ballsy audacious move you go what have we got into here it was yeah. just you know and, and and that was the thing it was it was brave and you thought now we can keep on that line and really you know um make that as as is kind of I don't know. Badass is pop. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> How plausible was it? Plausible, plausible. Yeah, that plausible. was the word plausible. Um, no, it was to basically we spoke to the Secret Service guys and said, okay, how could you do this? Now, they have stuff up their sleeves at night. 
didn't tell us stuff they did tell us that we mm -hmm. couldn't you know we we couldn't um that we we couldn't pass on but at the end of the day it's about simple ideas you know and i mean it was 9-11 happened with a bunch of box cutters and it changed the world yeah. this is trash trucks and you fly in a plane now again in reality would you be able to fly in that plane in today's you know with with um today's defenses i don't know but in terms of the context of the movie it's incredibly believable the plane comes in and then everything else starts to happen but what we had to do was take it out because originally when it was in the inside and they were all in the they, the um, the South Korean convoy, we suddenly realized that it meant that there was 12 terrorists who just happened to be North Korean terrorists who the, the South Korean premier hadn't noticed. Like, <laughs> I thought you were 12 of my best friends. And now you're all terrorists. So we kind of had to change that a little bit. And that's part of making it plausible. Yeah. Was And also allowed for a greater scope to say, yeah. They truly fucked us from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they went, we're coming in by ground, we're coming in by the air, and then we're coming in from the inside, and, and I've just given the whole movie away. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. And Aaron, watching that sequence as an American, is it a very visceral experience watching the White House, this great icon? I know it's a fake White House, obviously, but being blown apart. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's the, the ultimate prize. The president is the ultimate prize. Yeah. And uh, we, at least as an American, and or anybody interested in freedom and uh, is uh, wants to know that the president is safe and the White House is safe. I mean, that's uh, where the power is and that's where the decisions are made. It's just like number 10 here. We want to think that it's impregnable and that uh, no matter what they, they throw at us, that we can handle it. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the fact is, uh, after, as Jerry was saying, after 9-11, you know, all bets are off, you know. I mm. mean, uh, Hollywood's always looking for the ultimate prize, and um, I think that uh, the White House is now uh, um, fair game in mm -hmm. that way. So in terms of the, the protocols that are observed in the film, so the president is compromised, he's taken hostage by uh, Rick Yoon's character, and then Morgan Freeman is the, the, the speaker of the house, and he becomes acting president. Is, is that actually what would happen in a situation like this? Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 Um, he'd be sworn in. Um, I, which again, w was actually, uh, it was, it was a, a it was an idea that Antoine had. He was just fascinated by the, the process of watching that happen. It's, mm. And I didn't agree with it at the time, but it's, it's actually a very emotional moment when you, when you see Morgan standing saying, what, what happened? You mm. know, are, they, are they okay? And then he's sworn in as president. But yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely protocol. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's have a look at uh, Morgan Freeman's character because this is a scene after the attack. And Mike has fought his way into the White House and is having a bit of a chat. Let's have a look. Can we trust him? Banning was one of our best agents. Mr. Speaker, I, I just have to say this is Mike Banning. Is, is this the same guy that was removed from the president's detail after the accident right, where we lost right, the first right. lady? Well, what's you want to add something? Right I suggest now. you get to How do we know straight. we can trust this guy? Banning is ex special forces, Ranger Battalion. He will move mountains or die trying. I know him. Does anyone else in this room have any intelligence coming out of the White House? Then we have no choice. Yes. The president's in the bunker. He's being held hostage. What do they want? We're trying to find out. Well, who's in charge? Trumbull. Are there any survivors with you? Negative, sir. They wiped us out. They have commandos roaming the hallways with enough explosives to take out an army. Looks like the doors and windows are rigged with C4 explosives. Who knows what other tricks they have up their sleeves. Any team coming in is going to be ringing a front doorbell pretty loud. They shut the power down, lights off, and I assume they closed the air vents. I killed the surveillance, but I don't know how long that's gonna last. 
Where's Connor? We have no status of his location, but he's presumed to still be inside. <clears throat> so, in a situation like that, are there guns in the Oval Office? Can you just go around and type in a combination of safe? And Why? Well, I, I, I think should be giving this stuff away. Maybe <laughs> that's that's why you say you know that a lot of it is in the context of the movie, um, <laughs> because I was figuring I haven't been at the White House for two years. I'm still a Secret Service agent, by the way. They also work at the Treasury. I mean, yeah. if you work at the Treasury, you're still Secret Service, but you're not just on the presidential not, detail. Yeah, but you're just not yeah. in the president's detail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently he, he does keep a gun in there. And uh, but I think that you um, that that the code would probably have been changed. Um, <laughs> Not the geez, code in the movie. That fucking bannings that are safe again. You know, Jesus. Firstly, it was the cash. Now it's my gun. Now it's my cell phone. Then it was the first wife. Oh, then it was the first oh, wife. Then it was the nice. second wife. Um, but yeah. That, it's, it's actually interesting uh, just watching that for instance that's an example of, of when you when you because that original scene again wasn't in the original script but the, or that scene wasn't in the original script and that was a, a product of sitting with Ricky Jones and saying what happens yeah they close down the air vents because if they're in the bunker, then the first thing that the that the U.S. forces would do would be put down some kind of gas to knock them out. So they close the air vents, and then you want to find out. Firstly, I have to say who's in charge. Who am I? Who am I talking to? Yeah. Who am I dealing with? Um, and then I fill them in and all the information that I know. So they close the air vents. The lights are out. This is what's going on. And I also want to know what do they want. You know what are they what are they looking for? So these are all literally it was finding these things out and then saying that's exactly what you got. These are the first things I need to know in the scene. Mm. So it, it it was that and then also kind of what sounds cool. So if you go like for <laughs> instance, they're going to be knocking the front doorbell pretty loud. It's just like a cool way of saying you can't do a ground attack. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you okay. know, yeah, yeah. it kind of had a little more zing to it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and Aaron, did you uh, consult the same people for what would happen to the president in that situation? Yeah, how act? Antoine. Uh, you know, had the Ricky Jones that Jerry was talking about. Uh, you know, what was interesting about the bunker was how it works, the ventilation, all that sort of stuff, protocol, who gets to go down into the bunker. Uh, in reality, the vice president, the secretary of defense, none of those people actually get in the bunker. It's yeah. the president and the North Korean, or the Koreans would never have gotten in down there. So that stuff is interesting. And um, yeah, they uh, they tell you everything they say. They preface with, "I shouldn't be telling you this, but," and you're like, <laughs> you're "Like, then don't tell me, because I don't want to be killed some uh, you know, at, at 3 a.m. in some random you know alley." Uh, no, it's um, on January 21st, 2018, isn't it? Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Not I'm just, again. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That gives me plenty of time <laughs> to. Uh, Enact my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Before we find out what that is, let's take some questions from you guys. I suspect, Mara, you've got a question for Jerry, but uh, if you have any questions, please put your hands up, and we've got some roving microphones. Let's start with you, then, and we'll wait for the microphone, and then there's a gentleman right here at the very, very back. First of all, congratulations on the movie. It's absolutely brilliant. I've seen it three times Wow. when I was over there. It's the best fun you can have with your clothes on. That's, that's <laughs> the best way to describe the film. It is just so gritty and realistic. It's brilliant. <laughs> There's a few things I need to show yeah. you. <laughs> Take care. But I do love the description. Yeah. But I have some ideas for you. Aaron, <laughs> you were a brilliant president. You were very realistic. Very good. I Thank really you. believed in you, especially as a Brit. I really believed in you. Mm. Can we get a Mike Bannon franchise out of this movie? Because there's a lot of love for your character if you've been keeping in touch with social media. 
<laughs> um, no, I don't pay attention. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, it wouldn't just be a Mike Banning franchise because, you know, unfortunately, Ash is still alive. Um, you know, I... I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's been talk because the movie has, fortunately, it's it's been, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's done really well, and um, and it's actually you you know it, it's a it's a new character that's been that's been created and and, and it's interesting because Antoine and I were actually working originally on another. I can't say what it was, but it was a series of graphic novels which we wanted to get involved with, and we took a lot of that. And that's why it, I say it's not yippee motherfucker, because his thing used to always be bad intentions, bad intentions. Like, this guy's more down. He's just, like, looking ahead. And the, there's a lot of humor in there, but it's never played for the humor. It comes out of the brutality and the focus and that I don't truly give a fuck what any, you, what, you, you know, he'll listen to his peers, but if he doesn't agree, he's still going. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of coolness to that. So there is, but but then I have to ask the question. I don't know where you go after the White House. You know, I mean, like, Good point. like, um, where would what, what would that be? <laughs> What's above the White House? Clark? Your house. My house. <laughs> I love that. My your house is falling. Attack your own house. <laughs> and it it doesn't matter, Jerry. They'll watch you. <laughs> All right, would you come back? What could do? What could do? Would, uh, would the president come back? Do you think? I don't, hope so, don't ask yeah. him that. Yeah. It's no. Embarrassing. Uh, oh, I mean. No. No. President. <laughs> the president Harvey Dent are there at, at Starbucks. Hey, let's uh, call it they, the White House. Coffee. They're retiring. <laughs> the White House has fallen again. <laughs> and it can't get but up. it can't get up. <laughs> yeah. There's a gentleman here right at the back. If we can get the microphone, do you keep your hand up? Uh, you're just, probably standing in the worst position. Just keep position doing that like yeah. an idiot, and then yeah. we'll find <laughs> <it>. <laughs> The microphone is on its way. Just speak. Yeah, well, okay. Wait, we can go. hear you. There we go. Hi, I'm a filmmaker from Bollywood, and uh, a question to Mr. Butler. How come someone as good-looking, charming as you is not doing a love story? And why aren't love stories the big commercial blockbusters in the U.S.? Why is it always action films? Um, you should speak to some other people I know who say, why the fuck don't you stop doing love stories? <laughs> <laughs> if I see you in another love story, I'm going to put a knife through your brain. <laughs> um, so uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I have done a few love stories and, and romantic comedies until um, they're coming out my arse. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually really, I really en enjoy making them. And, and, and you, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, as Moira was saying, this movie did well in America, but it has to be taken in context because, be, because pure action thrillers, not fantastic action thrillers like the $200 million movies, have really been taken a hit. It's, you know, there's been a bunch of movies this year opened on, you know, $4 million, $5 million, six, scary, scary low. So it's not that it's only action movies. Big tentpole movies often make a, make a fortune. But there's still, romantic comedies are, are still doing well as well. I mean, there's been quite a few successful ones. But the whole market, it's just, it's just harder to make a successful movie, whether in romantic comedy or whether in action. But I've got to be honest, I love making I, I really enjoy making all, all different types of movies. And Here's a gentleman here in the uh, third row. Keep your hand up, thank you. Anyone this side? Okay. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Hi, uh, Gerald. Just a quick question. What was it like to work with Morgan Freeman? I know, Aaron, it's your second time after Dark Knights. 
he's just such a cool guy on screen. Just wanted to know what it's like behind the scenes with him. Well, it's my third time, actually. I was uh, in a movie where uh, Morgan and Chris Rock scalped me uh, early on in my career. And uh, it's a great honor and a pleasure to work with him. He has a really uh, um, a great essence about him. He's calm. He's, you know... Uh, uh, he's intimidating because he's such a great actor, but he just relaxes you because he's got a great spirit. Um, and he's so natural when he acts. You know, everything just comes out of him. Um, and uh, he really makes contact with you as an actor. And you have energy going between you as an actor, and you feel him. So, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a great presence and a, and a great man. Um, <clears throat> just for... for when, when, when Morgan arrived on set, it is, it is amazing, the, 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 the presence, the, 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 the excitement that that brings. And I mean to every crew member, and Antoine as well, and, and to me, because it, it, especially having produced it, when mm. you suddenly, he's there, and you're like, oh my God, Morgan, for you, you come <laughs> like a little kid, you call Morgan, hello, hey, how are you? Um, but he's... But what I, I, the first, I met him once before. I'd never worked with him before, but I met him once before at an Oscar party, and he walked up. He's brilliant. He went, Hi, I'm Morgan Freeman, international movie star. <laughs> I, I would, and I would uh, love for you to meet my daughter. Because I, I, apparently, his daughter wanted to have a photo taken. But I, I thought only he could get away with that. It was so charming. And he's so not like that because he's just such a humble guy. But, but what I find surprising is when whenever I watch him in films he it's like you say he has such a, a natural way about him there's just a simplicity and an honesty but as a person he's actually much more vibrant like when he came on set he he's so tall I mean what why is he seven foot <laughs> <laughs> it's a conservative he, estimate yeah but he come he came right up and he's like right in your face like hey how are you Morgan Freeman and I'm like whoa he's really present and and yeah. Incredibly charismatic, but then when it comes to acting, you just kind of—it's like a soothing honey. The voice. Yeah, it's all about the voice. Uh, there's a question over here from a lady over here. Thank you. This may be the last one. So you've worked with both Christopher Nolan and obviously Morgan Freeman. Is there anyone else you've got your sights on who's up there in your checklist to work with? I'm guessing for you. I never watched Christopher Nolan. I don't Oh uh, yeah, I'd love to work with um, Fincher. That's probably my guy that I would like to, uh, you know, really push you as an actor, take you to places that you haven't been before, surprise you, demands, uh, you know, something of you. Whenever you see a Fincher movie, it's seamless. You know, he does uh, he does it until he gets it right. He spends the money on the right things. Um, so that would be my number one guy, or Ridley Scott. I'd like to work with. Chris again, actually, you know, if he'd have me, uh, I'd love to work with Antoine again as well. I mean, there's so many good directors out there, but mostly it's about stories. And I think you guys want to see stories about people and about, you know, meaningful things. And I'm not sure that you guys are getting fulfilled. I do think that the audience gets fulfilled in a movie like this because it is about family, ultimately, you know. Um, and so I think that's why it's resonating with people. And Jerry, let's uh, ask you that question as well. Who would you like to work with? You could name one director. Or ten, doesn't matter. You know what? You know what I'd love to work with is Danny Boyle, actually. Because he's made a lot of my, my favorite movies. And funnily enough, I think my favorite is Slumdog Millionaire. And, and I went to, to India shortly after that and, and, and hung out with... Uh, I asked him 
lunch with all the kids from Slumdog Millionaire and ended up ended up going back to because two of them still lived in the slums and and it was the most incredible. I'm getting off topic again. That's <laughs> no, fine, it's fine. But I but I I ended up in at that same day it, in both their houses in the slums, and it was the, the just the most amazing experience. But anyway, Danny Boyle has such a diversity as a director. I mean, and he takes such risks. And but by the way, they don't always work. But when they do. It's like to, I, I just find them so fulfilling, and I and mm. I think he's such a great guy, and he's an incredible integrity, and and I, I, I love his his style and and how he works with actors, and I and I, I just I would love to be involved in one of his risks. Mm. Transporting two is coming up. Begbie's cousin. Just saying. Can I Fancy tell you a crazy? I guess I'm full of crazy stories. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear another crazy yep. story? You always seem to have crazy. Okay, check this out. <laughs> Check this out. All right. <laughs> no, this is the truth, though. I was, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Trust me, I would be too if I was sitting there. But, but um, when I, I, I trained as a lawyer, and I was a week, I, I was, I was, um, it was two weeks before I was due to qualify, but I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen because I was a mess. And I went to see Train Spotting, the play. And I'm sitting at the Edinburgh Festival. I was training as a lawyer in Edinburgh, and I'm sitting at the Edinburgh Festival, and I'm watching this guy playing Renton on stage, and he's having a ball. He's narrating it, and he's in the scenes, and I'm watching it, going, "What happened in my life?" This, I, I, and I'm, I mean, I'm, and I don't even mean that as a joke. It was killing me that I was in a career that I didn't want to do, and I wasn't doing a very good job, and I was never going to get the chance to do that I yeah, was, yeah. And, and a week later I was fired right <laughs> I didn't, they didn't even wait till the end and just not qualify me they actually fired me a week before qualifying because I was such a bad bad trainee lawyer right. anyway the, I, the next day I packed my bags and moved down to London and I somehow managed to talk my way into an, uh, an audition for this play for uh, Coriolanus which I later made a movie about but the 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 this stage version and then I got that and, and but just an ensemble but then while I was rehearsing one of the actors said they're recasting train spotting the play and it's going back to the Edinburgh Festival and at that point I didn't even have an acting agent but I had got an agent for commercials but I wrote a letter and I <laughs> I, I got a, a, a shot printed up and I stapled it to the letter and I sent it off to the director and he called me and said come in and read and I went in with the train spotting book and I read two rows and I jumped from chair to chair and I'm going and the director's like but can I ask you do you do drugs <laughs> and I said and at that point I wasn't doing drugs and I went no no I used to but I'm not now and he's like really he says you're not on drugs and I go, no I swear to god I'm not I'm really not. but I was so hyper and, and, and finally I thought well if he thinks I'm on drugs, there's no way I'm ever getting this job. They gave me, they, they offered me the role, right? And I had a commercial casting that I'd had to push. They, they were waiting for me, and I run in, and it's for Polaroid. Um, Polaroid. And um, I just did a photo shoot. But this is what brought Brett this up. I just did a photo shoot, and the guy took a Polaroid, and I'm like, oh my God, this brings my <laughs> memory. Um, but I, but I, I went for that, for that commercial, and they offered me that role right there and then. And then they had to find a friend for me to play and they brought in three guys. This mm -hmm. is the same day as I got Trainspotting and they right. brought in three guys. And the guy who got the role as my best friend was the guy who was on the stage 
in Trainspotting <laughs> the year before, and I ended up back on that stage a year to the day later. And now the movie had come out. So it, that, that year before, it was already huge, but now the movie had come out, and it was twice as huge. And I was playing Renton on that stage to the audience that I'd been sitting in the year before, including the fucking lawyers that fired me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. And by the way, I got to tell you, they were because they, trust me, this was not their fault. This was my fault, and they were and they were so happy that, that you know that it, because they knew that I shouldn't be doing what I was doing. But it was it was I can't even tell you the synchronicity of that. You know, sometimes you you got to follow the signs of the universe, and sometimes they're pretty damn obvious. <laughs> and um, that I think is the moment that I went, okay, maybe this was was supposed yeah. to be. I was supposed to make bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on now. Uh, on that bombshell. <laughs> anyway, for them. <laughs> on that bombshell, that's all the time we have, I'm afraid. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for your questions. Thank you. Thanks, first of all, Jerry Butler, Aaron Eckhart. Thank you very much. Thank you.